Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fab Four Free For All. Yeah. And there was much rejoicing. Two people. Yeah. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All. I'm today's moderator, Rob Leonard. And joining me, of course, is... Mitchell Axelrod. And... Tony Treguarno. Oh, and Anthony. I said Mitchell. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Anthony Chiguardo. Oh, we're being official today. I'm Robert Leonard. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about... Middle initial? Anthony. Oh, you're Robert Anthony? I'm Robert Anthony. Wow. I could have gone with the radio name Robert Anthony, but I chose oh, yeah. to go with the Robert Leonard. And Rob I Leonard. could have been Eric Mitchell. <laughs> That's really... My middle name is Eric. I, Eric Mitchell sure. was a name I did use for a while. Wow. That's very funny because I I actually was almost Tony Raymond because Raymond was my confirmation. I thought oh, you were almost wow. Mitchell Eric. I was Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bizarre. All right. Well, today we're going to actually sort of repeat something. When we first started out, when we were part of the Fab Forum. Wait. When we were part of the Fab Forum. I just yes. repeated something. Okay. There you go. <laughs> did we felt that the show should be 30 minutes and that we should do two topics a show. <laughs> we, Silly us. we learned very quickly that that's not the case. We talk more than 30 minutes just saying hi. <laughs> I was going to say, the intro is more than <laughs> But think about it. Our first show was Abbey Road. At 40. At 40. And what was the other one? Um, George Harrison's Let Me Roll. It, I uh, think? Yeah, Let It Roll. Let, Let It Roll. roll sorry. Uh, had just come out. Half hour on both of those. On t- two topics. On le- it was almost 30 minutes, I think. Maybe. And four of us. It was four of us. <laughs> Now it's three of us. Thank God. And we were thinking, you know what? We should go back to Abbey Road because there's so, so much. So, so we'll be right back. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be on the plane. <laughs> we'll, we'll land Judy in London. Back in the USSR airplanes down here. <laughs> we'll land in London. We'll take the tube. <laughs> you can watch us on Abbey Road cam. <laughs> <laughs> Falling and getting hit. That. <laughs> well, you, well, it was bizarre when someone got hit. Yeah. On Abbey Road yeah. cam. And then all the Beatle geeks are going, ha, ha, ha. We yeah. knew it would happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Is she okay? No, I don't care. We knew it would wow. happen. Well, I mean, you've, you've been there, Mitch, and I've been there. I've always thought how someone doesn't get hit every, every day. day. It's a regular road. You know, Small. People are running across. There's guys standing in the middle of the road taking pictures. There's a, there's a hill people come up right away, and then you're right at that crossing. I mean, it's amazing. And also, if you haven't been to Abbey Road, and we'll get to this, I guess, when we talk about the cover more, but, you know, you see it from a different angle there, but it is so small. It is. It's yeah. very it's, small. It's tiny. I mean, you go there and you're like, wait a minute, how did all four Beatles actually fit crossing it, that road? Definitely, definitely. I agree with you on that. It's very tiny. And you think they, they would have taken it in front of the building instead of them walking across. Well, I think the crosswalk is... It works better, but, yeah. you know... Imagine they're on the other side of the thing and you just see the end of the crosswalk. How did we miss that? (laughs) (laughs) Photoshop. (laughs) So Abbey Road was released in Great Britain on September 26, 1969. And it was released in the United States October 1st, 1969. So there's a week in between. Back then, the week didn't really matter. It wasn't like people were... Saying, oh, my God, we don't have Abbey Road. We got to get it now and on import. And it wasn't as though 500 million people would have downloaded it from right, the... Right, right. Well, also, to be honest, a lot of people had heard a lot of it. Yes. Because yeah. John Lennon gave it out for, as a bootleg and didn't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, people had heard it. I think, weren't the New York stations playing the uh, acetate for a while? Some of them were, yeah. So, I think uh, WNEW was 
among others. But you know, the the album itself, everybody always says, "Oh, you know, it's the last released Beatles, uh, the last recorded Beatles album." Right. Sorry. Let it be was the last released. But everybody always says, you know, like George Martin says, oh, it was such a lovely album. The Beatles got back. But there was so much turmoil with this album. And if you actually look at the album, John's not on a lot of it. Well, for reasons. For reasons. He was was in a car accident with Yoko and and Julian and Kyoko. So he missed uh, parts of the beginning of the recording of the album. He seemingly isn't on George's stuff. Even though John was the one who recommended that something be the A-side, or at least be a co-A-side, which I actually found out when Yoko and Olivia and Paul and Ringo were on Larry King. Of all, yes. all places yeah. to find that out, Yoko said to Olivia, oh, by the way, it was uh, John's idea that something be the A-side. And Olivia was shocked, too, and I didn't know about it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it was kind of interesting that a song that one of his standards was sort of pushed by John, which was nice but, to see. But you know what? Also, you said you mentioned John Lennon not being around. Yes, he was in the car crash on July 1st in 1969, but they were supposed to start early, and he was not even scheduled to be at the first session. You know, he didn't always show up. So the Beatles were going to record without him or at least start recording without him in the beginning, and then his car crash prolonged that, put it that way. But it wasn't, you know, again, when they approached George Martin, and only if you guys are all together and you're good, and they were to a point, but... It, well, I mean, let's think about, you know, Let It Be is an interesting thing for the Beatles where the what happened with the White Album continues. Well, differentiate, though. Let It Be, we think, the movie. You okay. Really, we're thinking, like, the Get Back Project. The Get right, Back right, Project. Right, right, right. Okay, good point. Yeah. Uh, the Get Back Project sort of continued the separating of the Beatles, so to speak, that but, started but, with the White Album. But the whole idea of the original... Now, and we probably should specify for listeners, we're going to get into the the backstory of they Abbey are. Road, which essentially is the Get Back session. The so, beginning of, right. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of, of intermingling. In a way, what really became the foundation for Let It Be, the album, the rooftop performance, etc., didn't really show up until almost the tail end of the whole Get Back experience. Right. Early on, ironically, it was really all this material. Yeah. Well, a lot of it did show up. on. Yeah. Maxwell Silver Hammer, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window was a full song, not, yeah, I mean, not I, a medley type of song. Yeah, here's all the info on when they showed uh, up. I'm sorry, of, hold that up for the radio again. Yeah, show that up. No, for no, the, I just was, Joni, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a list. Octopus's Garden was another song. Sessions. Yeah, I mean, just to quickly give the rundown. Maxwell Silverhammer turned up on the very first day of the Let It Be sessions. Right. Paul on piano, George on bass on the very first take, January 3rd, 1969. And at that point, no one wanted to kill Paul over that song. <laughs> that would soon change. January 7th, <laughs> that would soon change. which is January 7th, the song is beaten to death. Yeah. I mean, they just beat the hell out of that song to the point of misery. And what's his name? Mal Evans is added on Anvil. Golden Slumbers Carry That Weight showed up on January 6th. Right. January 7th, Paul is playing it like crazy on piano and really working it through. She came in through the bathroom window January 6th. Oh, darling, the morning of January 6th, Paul on solo piano. And then again on the 7th and 8th with various musicians jumping in. I want you, she's so heavy, run through January 28th. Something is started on January 28th. And those are definitely in the... Her Majesty... Played on piano first, January 9th, the 24th, he moves to guitar. Octopus's Garden 
Ringo on piano, January 23rd. January 26th, John taking the drums, and they play it through a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Mean Mr. Mustard, January 14th, where it was a medley with what, in my opinion, has always been a made-up thing of John's. I think John was so low on songs during well, this period. he said it was all crap he wrote in India. That Madman... I think is just, you know, he's wearing pink pajamas because he lives on a farm. Right. I think he was just throwing things out that rhymed at that point. But yeah. Mean Mr. Mustard was part of Madman, and Polythene Pam showed up on January 24th. So early in 1969, these songs were all pretty much fully flushed. And, and the sessions began February 22nd. Right. So it's only three weeks later. So, they, of they, course. But they did, fresh. I want you to see she's so heavy. First. First. Which is very odd. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... I mean, but it's a very together song. George and and John are playing very much. Um, that riff over and yeah. over. They're hammering that riff. It's a great riff. No pun intended. Yeah. 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 No, but I mean, imagine. Yeah. Think about this. They go in, and that's the first thing they do. They lay down tracks for "I Want You," "She's So Heavy," and the album could have been if they kept in that vein and didn't maybe go into more pop because that was rock. Yeah. All right. It could have been a, a totally different album based on the fact that they had a lot of other songs that were left over from the Get Back sessions yeah. that they could have done in there. Mm. So it was really odd that they chose that one and then went in, in a sort of a totally different direction. Well, I mean, a couple of in my opinion, different thoughts come to mind. The fact that, in a way, I think they kind of like they almost had to get the aggression out. That was something like, and I want you, she's so heavy. And my other thought, too, is that you know, when they were left alone, like the jams that we have, even though George isn't on them, but, you know, they jam on a quick one while he's away by the Who. They do right. that will soon be home section. And they're loud and nasty during that whole segment. Yoko is all over it. But, you know, they are being loud, raunchy. Yeah. But my other thought, too, is if the rooftop live performance hadn't happened and there had just been all of the really bad, you know, some of the bad vibes that were through to Let It Be sessions... And they had never gelled it into the rooftop. Do you think Abbey Road ever would have even happened? You're saying that that rooftop, then the next day when they recorded the basically the rest of the movie and yeah. songs, you know, exactly. other songs, yeah, because would I they realized the that they can still play together. Bingo. I think they still would have. I think partly because they still had a contract with the, with EMI. But I also think they. One thing I look when I look at Abbey Road, it's you're going out with your longtime girlfriend or your wife, and you know you're breaking up. But you know you're still good together. Right. And right. to me, Abbey Road is that album where it's a goodbye almost to the band from each band member. They they all contribute greatly on this album. And I really think it was their goodbye to each other. But it was, That's it was, really well put. But the only well thing, put. and John even said in the, I think in the Rolling Stone interview, he said, you know, a lot of Abbey Road is crap. You know, that was his anger. Yeah, but but, that's but wait, wait, no. The point I'm trying to make is he did say, I could blink and the other three would know what direction I'm going right. in. So he said, the only thing really that stuck in my mind, he said, I really wish, sometimes I miss that when I'm recording. I miss the fact that I can't blink and three people know exactly what I'm doing in an ad lib. Even though he was pretty much at that point still working with two of them. Yeah, pretty much. So that says yeah. a lot, too. You but know, I, th- I, mean, I think with John, though, he, you know, he, he badmouthed side, too. But guess what? He's all over side too. Yeah, of course. So of you know, course. he's he's bad mouthing his own work that he contributed knowingly. It's not like they said, you know, pulled songs out of thin air from John. 
he contributed a lot to that medley, that whole side too. I, and I hate to always bring this back up, but when you're messed up and you know you're messed up, when there's a drug issue happening, you almost have to walk away and say, well, whatever I did during that period when I was messed up was bad. Right. Because right. if you acknowledge and say, oh, you know, boy, I did a great album when I was I could still be ripped out of my bit. shorts, and then I can still be messed up a little bit. So if you're trying to kick dope or you're trying to get clean or whatever, you know, sometimes you've got to walk away from what you did during that period. Right. Because a lot of cleaned performers look back and well everything I did during that period was crap and it, it wasn't really yeah. but they've got to kind of look but, at but, it that but way but also I think with John with the stuff on side two some of it at least was older stuff before Yoko and I think he thought as as a creator one of the things that when he got together with Yoko everything became art well what would you say in other words and, and not you know the guy who's, who's writing songs because he has to everything right. is art Everything right. I do is art. Well, he also stopped writing, you know, he wanted to stop writing pop songs. He wanted to only write honest, right, right. you know, from the song. But when, what would you say on Abbey Road was pre-Yoko? You thinking some stuff was pre-Yoko? Well, me and Mr. Mustard or something like that was, you know, no, stuff that was, no, stuff that was, that was written. India. Is, but he wasn't with Yoko. and He didn't meet Yoko until... At that time in India, it was a medley with Sun King. Right. Mm-hmm. Which so, is kind of cool. So you have... To John, everything's had to be art, you know, and I think that's why he sort of dismissed side two, uh, or at least parts of side two, and even stuff on Let It Be, you know, even though I, I like his work on Let It Be. I, I think one of the things about Let It Be also, just to take a step back, is that George Martin isn't there for everything, and things got a little crazy. And I think yes, they- Yes, very much so. You know, one of the things that happened, they went back to him and said- we want you to record us. And, and he said, well, like, like, like the old days? Yeah. And, uh, but which wait, wait, I wait. thought was very important for George Martin because he, he's also losing the Beatles in a way. That's wow. I never even thought of that. That's right. He's That's his goodbye. band in a way. Right. You know, he, he, I never not, even not thought in of way. that. That is his band. We, we thought, that's true. You always think of the four. Right. And as you said, you know, A, the swan song, B, the, like you were just pointing out the idea of them saying goodbye to one another, but... That's right. That's George, too. That's yeah. George Martin. And he, and he and then all of a sudden they do this great B-side, which is incredible. And, yeah. and, you know, it's George Martin as much as the rest of the Beatles, too. It's his way of saying well, goodbye, too. I was going to say about George Martin. You know, George Martin always says, and the quote is, you know, only if you want me to produce the way we used to, uh, we will, we want to. And then he wrote, John included. Now, that's it's weird. We're singling out John here because John really wanted to be off with Yoko. And... And George Martin knew it because for him to say that, right. I mean, the other three worked well together and they did work well together even after John had to crash. But the one thing I want to say is also you, you talked about Yoko and we have now seen pictures from Abbey Road recording sessions right. where you see Yoko in bed with Linda. Right. No one ever says Linda was in a bed. Right. Uh, but right. Yoko was pregnant when the crash happened. So John had Harrods bring in a bed. Right. Now, the only thing is they also put a microphone above the bed so Yoko could help supervise the songs, which that's going too far. That's someone who's messed up yeah, because and, the and other three are going, wait, Linda doesn't have a mic, Patty doesn't have a mic, and Maureen doesn't have a mic. What the hell? So so she could refer to them in the third person. <laughs> Beatles must do. Yeah, right. Yes, well, you know, but no, but we knock Yoko for the bed thing. It was John who brought the bed in. Yeah, right? of course. And also, we never really give her, I'm not, I'm not saying there's any credit to be given there because she really shouldn't have been in the studio, but he was concerned about her health because she was pregnant yes. and they had a crash. So it wasn't yeah. like he brought her into yeah. the studio just to have her there to supervise. 
he had no one to watch her at home. So he wanted yeah. to be near her. And you know what? Yeah. If that was my wife, I would do the same thing. I'm not saying I would ask her her opinion on songs if the Beatles as a unit are doing something. All right? Or if my wife is in the studio here while we're recording, I wouldn't say, so, hon, what'd you think of that? Do you think there's a, it wouldn't happen if, if for the fact right. for free for all? So he was wrong in that aspect. But also to give her a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, there are the pictures of Linda in bed right, with her. Yeah, yeah. So no one ever said, you know, everybody always says Yoko in the bed. And Yoko was in the bed for, or you get back stuff. And but Look, from all the stuff that we have from the Let It Be sessions, all the conversation and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. we know the whole thing about, quote, Yoko breaking up the Beatles. It's just a fallacy. But it's something people want to hold on to. Yeah, because of course, because it's they, easier. It's much it's easier. It's a lot easier than thinking of four men growing yeah. up and growing apart. And say, it's right. a lot easier. Exactly. And the truth was, it was, and we know, I mean, John was the one that put the distance and would, and, and unfortunately, and I have always said this, John, in a way, threw Yoko under the bus. John put Yoko in a position. Oh, uh, maybe. To say, well, you know what? If you're going to talk to me, you got to go through Yoko. Right. That, that wasn't really fair to and, and, anybody. And why did Yoko really? need a microphone, which obviously John suggested. Yeah, of course. You know, the, 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 yeah. the EMI guy's not going to put a microphone with Yoko without John Lennon saying, please right. put a microphone next right. to Yoko. Right, and Yoko's not going to be able to ask for one right. either. It's, right. it's, you know, the Beatles had to put... But I think the idea that, you know, you hear Paul talking about Yoko during the, the Get Back sessions yeah. and saying, you know, hey, you know, the two of them, want they're in love and they want to be together, and that's that's great. And you have to wonder, too, though, at that point, was there this kind of, we've got to placate John because John is the one that we're worried about walking away from the I project. absolutely think so. I think, jo- so. I think Paul was trying to placate all of them. I th- in think a way, so, too. In, in a way, way, he's trying to hold it together. But Correct. This, but at the same time, and if you look at the White Album, how many songs are just Paul, basically, as a solo artist? Sure. So sure. I think that there was a resentment there. Uh, concerning the other members of the of the Beatles, you know, Paul's running in and doing Blackbird. He's doing other songs and stuff. But so were the other guys, and and they. But no, no, the only person to do, uh, do was uh, John to Julia, and Ringo did Goodnight, and George while my guitar. Basically, yeah. Also, so Paul was it. Paul was there when John did Julia. Ew. John was there when they did. Um, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> when uh, Goodnight was done, they were all the uh, studio uh, cheering Ringo on. Yeah, and that was John's song. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But, you know, think about it. If someone comes to me and says, let's say, you know, if I'm just as guilty of something as as two or three other people that I work with, and somebody comes to me and asks me, well, do you want to do something? Now, is uh, is Rob going to be reliable when we do this? And I go, yeah. What that's subtly saying to me is, are you going to be reliable? Because I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to make pretend like... So Paul's going to George Martin and saying, I want you to produce like the old days. So rather than George Martin saying, Paul, are you just going to go wander off and do stuff on your own? Right. He kind of puts it on John. Oh, even John? Mm. And Paul in his mind now goes, hmm, George Martin's right. Yeah, we're all kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll make sure even John... John even. Well, the only thing that... And it's, it's in a way, I think it was partly on to Paul saying, dude, you all went your own ways during the White Album. And right. I, I want to know part of that crap. Well, also George Martin did too. He took vacation. To, well, I don't well, think he, he yeah, did that. But be, I think he did. I think it was out. frustration. Well, know? I also think I that think he so. didn't think it was going to go that long the session. So I think True that too. was part of, part of it also. True but too. if you think about Abbey Road, Paul only does Her Majesty by himself. And right. oh, darling, he would come in before everyone else and do the vocal 
because he felt he can do it best in the morning. Yeah, but that's yeah. not separating yourself. No, no, it's not. Because everyone else is on the track. But then you go the other way and say, you know what? Paul wanted to be part of the group, okay? Yeah. And, and that's fine. But then he does Maxwell Silver Hammer 110 times, yeah. and they get annoyed. But yeah. you know what? He could have done that song by himself, but he chose not to. He chose to keep it together, as he promised George Martin. And because of that, he got crap from the other three because but I, it was I, such a horrible. And, you know, looking back, Maxwell Hammer's Silver Hammer is a song in the Beatles catalog, whether you like it or not. It's a very well-known song. And it's very catchy. It's very catchy. It's ca- very catchy. It's very well-known. But, guys, come on. Let's be real. Is it 110 takes? I mean, What let's about be Not Would Guilty? You... Not Guilty... That was 110. There's a little. Literally. I, that's, I still don't agree with that either, too. More than that's a cluttered Maxwell, song. Silver that's Hammer. That's a perfect phrase. That's a, that's a cluttered track. There's a lot a lot of intricacy Not in guilty it. Guilty has a lot of the same intricacies as I Want You, She's So Heavy. Yeah. But think I about Want it. You, She's So Heavy, I think, was. was I think the nuance is there because but, it yeah, happened that but way. But there was a lot of overdubs with I Want You, She's So yeah, Heavy. Sure, but, yeah, sure. But, but the synthesizer, the, the, the dual the, guitars. Just think about the guitar on. I want you. She's all right, and then the other one is. It's not but that off of a. It could not, have fit on the album. It's a similar lick, but but I'm yeah. going with the idea that not guilty. He he had a vision of of nuance. Uh, he had a vision of where everything was going to go. Where that yeah, that backwards guitar comes right. in, etc. With with I want you. She's so heavy. It was a jam that they built on. You know, I think the whole goal of going into "I Want You, She's So Heavy" was it. I wouldn't call it a jam. It was, it was a very. Yeah. To me, it's a. It's one. It's very structured. It's it's, 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 a, it's very structured, but I don't yeah. think it's a jam because. No, you're right. It's not it's, a jam. It's structured. It's, it's, it's a contradiction in terms. You know, th- think about it. It's "I Want You, I Want You So Bad." It's driving me mad. She's so heavy. Those are the three lines. Yeah. And they made a seven and a half minute song out of it, yeah. with a great guitar solo in the middle, and one of Paul's great bass, bass lines. lines. I mean, he has a bass <laughs> solo in the middle, which he normally doesn't get. Wow. Brilliant, and it's one of those songs where it's it's almost. If you think about it, it's not a, a Beatles song in the way we hear other Beatles songs, like Maxwell Silver Hammer. Yeah. You know, it's hard to believe they're both on the same album within a couple of songs of each other on side one. Sure, if you think well, about that's it. always sure. McCartney versus, and I I say versus Lennon, not in a fighting way. But but think about this: if you would replace "I Want You, She's So Heavy" with a finished, a finished. Because that was a demo, you know, they were doing jamming in studio for Not Guilty. But if Not Guilty was on the album instead of I Want You, and I know it's hindsight. Not Guilty's it's in- finished. There's a finished version of Not Guilty on the... I'm sure if they... Well, I don't think... On Anthology, it was a hundred and something tracks. It's, it's finished. It was, it's it was finished. edited. It was just left off. It was it edited was just- for whatever reason for the Sessions album, not fixed for Anthology 3. Right. Yeah. But that's something else. I just think if it was more polished like Abbey Road was polished, because Abbey Road is a very produced album. It is, but you know what? The Beatles are moving so fast that Not Guilty sounds dated by 1969. I guess it does. It's not just that, but different producer, too. You would have had to screw with production credits. But also, the other side of the coin is they they'd recorded... Old Brown Shoe. Now, Ballad of John and Yoko is not going to go on this album. But it was recorded during the time. But it was recorded in between I Want You, She's So Heavy on the beginning of Abbey Road. Old Brown Brown Shoe would have fit perfectly. Because it's more of a 69 George Harrison feel on his guitar. Yeah, Old Brown Shoe would have really worked on this record. Yeah. And there's no reason it couldn't have been on this album because it was short. I mean, relatively speaking, was it 40-something minutes? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it could have fit on the yeah, album. Yeah, could have. Well, there's a bunch of stuff. Well, the one thing I want to hear, and, and Lord, we have to ask Mark Lewis in this, there's talk of them, you know, obviously 
John and Paul doing Ballad of John Yoko by themselves. Sure. And supposedly there was a lot of friendly banter in between takes. Now, we don't have all that. We've never heard that. We only have the finished version. But I'd love to find out what was said because they supposedly it led to a lot of good feelings during these sessions. Truthfully, Until for, Yoko was brought into the studio. To and me, then, the only thing I could think of, and I don't say this to be funny, but the only thing I could think of that at that time would have been happy banter would have been it was like the idea of during the Let It Be sessions when the few times when they seem to be having fun is when they're doing oldies. So I could see them, you know, Ballad of Johnny Yoko, let's face it, it's Poison Ivy. You know, I mean, and Lonesome Tears of My Eyes. Lonesome Tears of My Eyes, right. So I could see them sitting around and just laughing and smiling over, you know. If you read the recording sessions book, John does say, you know, take it, George, and or Richie, and he says, all right, George, you take And Paul says, all right, George, you know, whatever. So they. Well, Yoko has said, you know, she was at the sessions. She thought everything was good that day when they recorded that song. Yeah, of course. I still would love to know what George and Ringo. Nobody's ever really asked them. No, no. And Ringo's still around, so we can. Well, the the thing is, is that two days later they record Old Brown Shoe. Why couldn't they wait two days? But, you know, (laughs) again, though. Right. Again, it's that idea, and you just summed it up, I think, Mitch. I did. Yeah, because... Pat on my back. Yeah, because you said thank you. Because, uh... <laughs> For those of you at home, Rob Lennon actually physically just patted Mitch actually. No, no, I pretended to pat him Rob Lennon is a much bigger man than Mitch, just and mime. I just <laughs> fell off my chair. I, I pretended uh, to pat him on the back. That was very good. Pantomime. I'll pretend to kiss you. Um, <laughs> but I, I think um, the whole idea of that session of Ballad of Johnny Yoko putting good vibes out for John and Paul... You look, the reality is, what would George and Ringo have had to say? Wow, we're really pissed that they did that. If they hadn't have done that, there might not have been an Abbey Road. Well, the Abbey Road Maybe, session started, yeah. and then Ringo Very filmed Magic point. Christian, and, and they were away for four right. weeks. Yeah. And right. then they took another eight-week break until July 2nd, and by that time, John had to crash. So all those good vibes were, you know, and then they you know, were pretty much, not gone, no, but, but tempered. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. because then you got Yoko in the studio after the crash. So. And Ron Decline. Well, that's, that, you know, May 9th. <laughs> May 9th, Ron Decline has to go back to the meeting. You know, his board of directors, was it May 9th? Was it May, actually, well, it's around that time. Yeah. Well, the board of directors is Alan Klein. And, right. And, um, right. you know, Paul doesn't want to do it, you know, which is understandable. And he, yeah, so that also, the business the, got in the way again of the pleasure of recording. He recorded with Steve Miller on that. That's the My Dark Hour session? Yes. We also should point out, too, that George Martin being asked to come back into the fold, George was gone for not just the White Album sessions, but George was also gone for, he wasn't gone completely for the Get Back sessions, but he wasn't a force to be reckoned with during those sessions, really. The producing, it was all being done on a soundstage. George couldn't really do anything. It wasn't producing records. It was making noise for a camera. Right, uh, right. And practicing for a camera for a show that might happen, might not happen. Right. Oh, we might use this as a TV special. Oh, let's turn it into the movie. Right, right. And let it be. We've talked about it among ourselves. The beginning is scarily boring at the same time it's like disheartening as Beatles yes. fans. Yeah. But then you see them on yeah. the rooftop and they're having fun. And it's like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And but again, yeah. that's January 30th. That's January. Yeah, January 30th. January 30th. You know. And they start recording this on February 22nd. Yes. Right. So you know, it's, they're having fun but then there. They but break, then they break. Because right. Battle of John Yoko is going to be released as a single. John wanted that to be a single. which right. Quickly, you know, quickly. You know. Quickly, right. you know, the instant karma yeah, type instant, of thing. Right. Right. Instant. Yeah. And that took actually Get Back. It sort of kicked it off the chart a little bit. Now, the other thought, too, is that there are songs that were floating around that they that they didn't choose to go back to. I mean, they bring in 
Maxwell Silver Hammer, again, right. that was like really a point of contention during the Let It Be sessions. But they don't go back to Teddy Boy, maybe with the thought that that's still going to end up on the Let It Be album. Maybe they didn't know yet. But why would you pick Teddy Boy over Maxwell Silver Hammer? Just a different track. It's just yes, a whole so different... You put it on it as well. But, the that's that's a good point about would it be... It was on most of the editions of, of Get Back right. until Paul went to Glenn Johns and said, well, I'm, I'm going to put on my own album, so you right. can take it off if you want. Right. So, and, and then it wasn't used in the movie anyway. So. And also, too, the other possibility of the track that's not here is, and I know it was a, already out through the uh, Wildlife Foundation, but there's no Across the Universe on no, this, too. No, no. Which, Which, of course, the universe easily could have been an I album think track. It, I think it would have fit on this album. My well. God, it would have been beautiful. This, this would it would have been, been magnificent. See, that would have, if you would have had something like Across the Universe on this, let's just say on side two, because John wanted, you know, something of his own on side two. The birds I mean, taking off into Sun King could or have been something the, or, like that? No, or? it could have been the album Closer. I mean, well, no, the end was. I mean, that's, yeah. but if he wants everything on side one, it's, uh, again, where does it fit? Because it does. I want you in hindsight, it's perfect ending for side one. Yeah. I mean, it cuts off quick. You know. You so, put it after Maxwell Silver Hammer. You or could. Something, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would have fit beautifully, know. and I think people would have also see Abbey Road is never really thought of as John's finest moment. It's not. Right. I don't think so. Finest moment's the wrong term. But Maybe, you're right. He, but like you said in the beginning, he's not on a lot of it. But most people don't know that. Right, I mean, right. so unless you go reading later. So in, in 1969, you hear something, and you think, oh, John's all over that. You hear you know, this, he's, he's all over that, here comes the sun. And you find out later he's not on a lot of Georgia stuff. You know, we didn't know he was in the car crash, and, you know, so he wasn't there for a lot of the stuff. So now in hindsight, to me, this is a, a more of a Threedles album. That's just my own opinion. So I think if you would have had Across the Universe on it, I think it would have solidified the Beatles as a whole on this album. Abbey Road is not one of my favorite albums. It's a very good album. Really? I like it. I like really? it. You think about Abbey Road, it's Everybody wants you to say it's the classic top three swan. of the Beatles albums. And it could be. Pick. But, yeah. uh, but, but right. why did they pick it? Because it's the Beatles, quote, at their coolest because they're in 1969 and they do some really interesting stuff on here. Okay. Um, See, but Abbey, I mean, Abbey Road is George Harrison's finest moment, but... Quite honestly, if and Ringo's to me, too in many ways because his drum is fantastic. Well, oh, that brings me to a point. We didn't mention this. This is the first album to be recorded on eight-track reel-to-reel, right? Yes. which left yeah. a lot of yeah. room for George Martin and Jeff Emmerich to do things that they didn't do before. True. So that's why I mean, I'm, a, I'm a drummer, and Ringo's drum parts are done in stereo yeah, because they mic them a lot yeah, and and the crispness and also yeah. uh, Ringo did say that he had different skins he just got brand new skins and he said that they were incredible sounding so he loves the drum sounds on this album which if you think about the drum sounds on this album everything from Here Comes the Sun to the solo which he never did on anything else it sounds very crisp actually if you all listen all the instrumentation is very good because and also compared to room. other Beatle records did they change the mixing board or uh, recording no the fact things? they didn't have to bounce a lot because now you got eight tracks to work with so you, if right. you're bouncing that's true they, the eight track but I thought maybe they changed the mixing board or something. It's, it just sounds like they did. a new console I don't know yeah, if there's but, a new console I don't know because it's sure. just, there is a, a definite different sound compared to the white well, album oh, of course well. let it be of course yeah but even like Revolver has, and, and that was part of the way they, they were recording stuff and putting it through revolving speakers and everything. It sounds different. I think the sound, it, it's more of a modern sounding Beatle record yes. than the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. 
That's ironic. This is really the new phase Beatle record. Yes, yes. it really is. You know, you, 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 they put that on Let It Be, and right. that was you know a load of crap. But that it, was a, you know the other side of the Let It Be is let's say they actually had put it out. Let's say they put it out they after put out, Get Back. You mean? Yeah, Get Back. Out, you know, right. and, and let's say it was as ragged as the original version was, which it was very ragged. Yeah, I wonder how this album would have it sounded even slicker. Would have it yes, or this, would they have been out to prove their rock and rollers and, and gone even harder and, and got rid of anything that was soft? I think if the get back and eleven others or get back and twelve others or let it be in twelve others or let it be in eleven whatever, if any of those had come out, I think we'd be looking at history as like there was this logical progression right. between like the white album. The kind of falling apart of the Get Back album. And, well, the Get Back album, yeah, they're just loosening it. And then they, they tie it up and get the direction back and know where they're going in Abbey Road. Right. I think there almost would have been this, like, it would have been the weakest album in the catalog, mm. obviously, Get right. Back. But it would have been interesting because it would have been this Well, wouldn't it have been weaker than before. Beatles for Sale? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like most of Get Back. I like... Dig a Pony. I like One After Nine. I like those type of songs. I do too. But when you put them in the order that they're in on Get Back, right? Mm. Yeah. Wow, it falls down. Yes. And t- and Teddy Boy just yeah. slams the proceedings to a a halt. A halt. Yeah, you know, it's oof, it's rough. Yeah. Teddy Boy would have been good on the White Album. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. yeah. It would have. And yeah. no one would have said boo. If you yeah. played it backwards. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Boy, Teddy. We'll, let's take a break right now and we'll come back uh, and we'll talk about uh, the album more. We're talking about Abbey Road here right on our fine show we call the Fab Four Free For All. Hi everyone. Just wanted to let you know that besides Fab Four Free For All, each of the three of us are involved in our own individual projects. Mitch Axelrod's two books, Beatle Tunes, the only book about the cartoon Beatles show, and Little Billy and Baseball Bob can be found through all of your good booksellers online, including Amazon.com, or if you'd like autographed copies, contact Mitch on Facebook. And my buddy Rob Leonard has a great Beatles show that he's been doing for 20 years called Beatles Songs, and it's on every Friday night from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen to it online. It's streaming at www.ncc.edu whpc, and also look for it on tunein.com. Antonio Truquardo is the host of 4F, free format for free, on WCWP 88.1 on Long Island. He's on every Monday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and also at www.wcwp.org. Also available on TuneIn.com. And we're back here on the Fab Four Free For All, and we are talking about the album Abbey Road, oh. the last one recorded, but not the last <laughs> album released by the Beatles. So sad. Um, You're going to break them. Though Mitch doesn't like the album. I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, many people have said job. it's their best work. No, Mitch, Because it's their last work. It's their last work. It is the going away present to each other. And I thought we'd start <laughs> talking about the songs. Here, Paul. Um, Thank you, John. <laughs> I brought you the flowers <laughs> and the album and, the, and album. the album. I got the album. I like the album. Like he the likes album. the album. <laughs> Ringo likes the album. So uh, the f- the lead off track, George is still away. <laughs> is come together, which uh, if you think about it is it's ironic. 
ironic, you yes. know, that they come together on an album where they're sort of spreading apart. The actual, well, we didn't know that. It's all in hindsight. We that's true, but we're not reviewing this in 1969. Yes, we are. Boom, boom. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man, we got some really good pot. Let's let's go to Woodstock next. Oh wait, I I thought you were at Pulse House. Yeah, really, must have been. Come on, Tony, who's playing in Woodstock? Let's go. No thanks, I don't like mud. Yeah, really. Oh wait, I don't know it's gonna rain. Now the beginnings of this song actually was suggested by Timothy Leary. It was even more suggested by Chuck Berry, but we'll get to that that's, later. That's, uh, that's something else. Timothy Leary said, hey, can you write like a campaign song? Right. Against he, Ronald Reagan. He wanted right. to run for governor of California against Ronald Reagan. Yeah, we know that would have gone real well. And he was actually arrested before Acid he even gobbling could. freakazoid versus movie star. There you go. That would really do <laughs> well. Both of them are weird. Yeah, equally so, actually, but still. So he actually ended up being arrested before he even could run for Oh, I office. hate when that happens. So John took the idea. <laughs> and borrowed Damn. two lines from uh, You Can't Catch Me from Chuck Berry. Oh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> and the line is, here comes all flat top. He come grooving up slow. Yeah, which, you know, of course, John thinks to himself, yeah, I could do that because I don't know a damn thing about copyright and publishing, and that's why I well, don't own any of it. Well, he also, if right. you, you think about it, he did it with Run for Your Life. He did the same thing. Of he course. stole yeah. uh, the first two lines, well, not the first two lines, but two lines from Baby Let's Play, Baby House. Let's Play House. And he wasn't yeah. sued then, so he said, well, let me try it again. Yeah. Uh, Morris Levy ended up suing John. But I really genuinely don't think he's conscious of it. I think he just thinks it's like the folk process. Well, you know, he, yeah, he, yeah well, I can steal a line or two. What's the big deal? But well, funny enough, no one ever stole a Beatle line. Well, yeah, well, they have. Good. They have. Later. They have. Yeah. And, I'm talking and, about it at that time. Think about it. That's 1969. They're recording. Well, but think about it. He was stealing a Chuck Berry song from 1958. Yeah, I guess. So, you know, I mean. Nine years. And if you think 11 years later, you had, the, years. you had the jam basically doing doom, 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 you know steal I mean they they ended up stealing riffs more than lyrics yeah more than lyrics with Beatles, right. which is interesting but anyway but so, then again every lyric everybody says you could tie back to a Beatles song now, so. true. now John said yeah. in the Playboy interviews he said I could have said here comes old Ironhead and the question is why didn't John say that or Iron Face or something like that, that but if he had done that he wouldn't have been sued and my question I've always I've never seen an answer on this one and maybe you guys know why was it only John Sued. It's a Lennon McCartney song. I always, 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 always ask that. And you know what? Here's where I gotta sign the blame on that. In one of the Rolling Stone magazine articles, Rolling Stone or on a Kenny Everything. Okay. When John is being interviewed about the upcoming Abbey Road album, right? He blatantly says, I wrote this song called Come Together. Right. That's why. And even in Rolling Stone, he says, I wrote this song. He doesn't say, Paul and I co-wrote this song. Right. Either way, it's the Beatles publishing company that's going to get hit with this. But John claims sole authorship out in public a couple of times right. on that. So my feeling was, Paul must have just thrown up his hands and been like, hey, yeah, that wasn't I, me. I didn't touch that. I just <laughs> did. I did harmony. Yeah, I did harmony. I wrote the Right. Yeah, well, think about it, though, because right. Paul never got, like, Mars Levy never said to Paul, now you have to do an oldies album. Right. Right. But also when, when or people Or John just took the hit for it. Uh, right. Maybe. That's what Possible I'm thinking. Too. Yeah, but you know what? But, think, think about it, though. I mean, Paul never comes out and says, I did come together. Even now. No. He, look, it, it, he, he does take credit for a whole lot of stuff, and it but maybe, he's not changing the credits on that one. And if you think about it, maybe it was even a source of pride, too, with John going, you know what? Come Together was a friggin' good song. I'm not going to fob off 50% of the writing credit to McCartney on that. And also, that, but, that was mine. Know, if anything, 
in all these years later, with all the credit changing, you know, McCartney, right. Lennon, and Lennon. I mean, you know, I know it was Lennon and McCartney, but you could have easily just said Lennon, but. You weren't going to do that because Give Peace a Chance was McCartney, too. Yeah, oh, right. But by the way, legally you, anyway. no, you, you mentioned Paul Weller before with the jam. Paul recorded Come Together with Paul Weller. With Paul. For and the, Paul. The, yeah. the, it was some... The charity album, which is not a bad version. No, it's a great version. Yeah. And, and, and one, one more thing about Morris Levy. He was part of the... Um, he cheated a lot of artists over the years. Really? Yeah, he did. He, he, yes, read the book he by some, Tommy James, He folks. had some friends. Yeah, read the book by Tommy James. Yeah, You'll get read, the whole yeah. thing. So why wouldn't he go after Paul if they're the co-writers? Because he already got what he wanted. He already got what he wanted. And also, no. too, the whole thing came about, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, I guess he could have gone after Paul early on. But John acquiesced really quickly. That yeah. wasn't some kind of huge, protracted, huge legal thing. Right. You know, John just gave in and, yeah, you know what, I'll do a couple of you. You got some great songs Nowadays, in your publishing it house. Nowadays, probably be you know, the publishing company. Yeah, you now know, they'd be going after they'd, gazillions They'd say, of okay, we want a credit or we want a percentage, yeah, yeah. something like Just that. Just to let remind people, too, that what it, the net, net end result of that lawsuit was, was three of Morris Levy, well, actually, uh, two of Morris Levy's tracks. Uh, that ending he owned. Up, that he owned, ending up on the finished rock and roll album. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was two. two. I think Yaya ya, well, ya, ya ended up on both. It ended right. up on rock and roll. And it ended up the goof version on Walls and Bridges, right. which pissed Morris Levy off. And he said, I'm not taking that as well, one of John them. Well, John said it's not It's not the one. one. Yes, it's just me yeah. and Julian playing. Yes, exactly. And exactly. It's, it's a but very weird. Google it. We'll have an episode on it eventually. It's, it's a great thing because John yeah. and Morris Levy were buddies, it they seems, were friends. until yeah. the Roots album came out. Yeah, and yeah. that's something else. Anyway. So Come Together is written. It's the lead-off track. John is saying, shoot me. In the very beginning weird. part, which very bizarre, you know, knowing that he was mm-hmm. on heroin yeah. at the time, he's probably indicating that. Oh, he definitely was. But of course, yeah. in 1980, it changes totally, meaning also shoot me, and and then he gets killed in front of his house. So it wasn't said loud; it was said in the background, off mic. But you know, it's there, and it's I think the perfect opening, the great bass line. You know, John even said to Paul, and, and Paul's told this story many times, how uh, the keyboard part that Paul did was uh, what John was looking for. It's very swampy. Yeah. Which has a, it has a great feel for that type of song. Yeah, and it really does. You know, and, and, it really, uh, really does. It works very well. It was uh, uh, the double A side with something. Uh, it was released at the end of October, by the way, October 31st. Not really a double A side. Well, it, it's now considered a double A side. I'm thinking well, back no, then. No, it's not. I mean, uh, really, something was the A side. Right, but Come Together gets like, it's like number three on the chart. I don't have the chart in front of me. They, they've changed that. There was something in the Billboard chart they changed for that song. Yeah. Yeah, which is weird. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. put it this way: I, from a catalog number standpoint, it's not a double A side. From right. Apple's, you know, the depiction of the green and white. You know, it's not a double A side, whatever, but... Well, oddly enough on that, and we'll talk about something in a minute, but I think in Canada, they made a mistake and put Come Together as the full label and something on the back with the half label. Wow. And that's a rarity now. If you can find that single, it goes for a lot of money now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it was Canada only. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, and you'll you'll let me know, people. I know. Right. <laughs> but uh, I think it was that. So, but if you want to hear the best version of "Come Together," you'll probably hear until they do the next wave of uh, reissues. Uh, the Love album 
And if you could hear it on the 5.1. Yes. Uh, 5.1 Come Together is a different listening experience from anything you will ever hear. Yes. And if you are lucky enough to have seen Love or can see Love, you should because it's featured prominently in there and in Vegas, the Cirque du Soleil. And to be honest, it's the speakers in the seats, and we've talked about this a lot. Uh, It's a different experience. And it makes it, to me, a much better song, even though I love it. But it's a much better song when you hear it in the 5.1 separation. Yeah. And, and it just shows that the catalog should be put in a 5.1 niche. Well, but that's a, a whole other story. story. Track number two for Abbey Road continues borrowing other people's lyrics to yeah. make a song. That's uh, true, actually. I, and I, I just thought, thought about that. it one wow. minute ago. No, no, <laughs> I definitely thought did. Of that. That's James right. Taylor. James yeah. Taylor, who was on Apple at the time. Who was on Apple, uh, had a, a song called Something in the Way She Moves. Beautiful song. And the melody is not the same, but the words mm. are. And George, just, the, just the first line. Yeah. And um, it's borrowing, I don't know if the right word, but, you know, in, influenced Being inspired by, by yeah. Inspired. Yeah. And, you know, something becomes... Uh, a much bigger song for George than he's ever had before, in the sense that not just the Beatles have a hit with it, but Sinatra covers it. Yes. Joe Cocker covers it. Well, Joe Cocker, was it actually, it was originally apparently submitted to Cocker right. even before it was right. committed to Abbey Road. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. So but that's they, pretty amazing. It didn't come out until afterwards, I believe. Yeah. Because I think they said the police In November, it was came out on yeah. Joe Cocker. Yeah. yeah. So... Sinatra, being Frank Sinatra, said it was one of the best Lennon McCartney songs ever written. <laughs> and no one had the nerve to tell Sinatra, uh, Frankie, uh, you know. Uh, you didn't care about that Harrison it's George boy. Harrison, not uh, Lennon. That Harrison fellow is a <laughs> fine songwriter. That's something that he wrote. He wrote something. Yeah. I don't know what he wrote. He's eating he's his, his spaghetti and meatballs, and, and no one had the nerve to say to him, hey. Uh, it's and we may want to add that. Mr. Harrison went back later and edited the Jack part of <laughs> live, the song when he, he did, did it live. live. Okay, you can stop which that. Now. I put it. I'm you know, sorry. It, you know, it's, it's going right, Frank, into, get out of here. It's get going into Henry, here. Henry Kissinger. It's yeah, all yeah, yeah. There's a fine line between uh, See, Frank Sinatra all, and Henry Kissinger. It's all the same. It's, you so. should hear me do Mickey Mouse. It sounds just like Henry Kissinger. And, yeah. and I think also um, he did something that added the Jack part, but I think in Far East Man, that little part about Frank Sinatra, we love you. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that might have been a little dig, yeah. a little dig at the same time. For I think they really wanted Frank Sinatra to do Far East Man. Which, <laughs> could you, I mean, he said that in an, inter- in an interview somewhere, right? Anyway, and also, you know, I, on this one, John Lennon plays piano. Yeah, and it was taken out of the song. Yeah, but why? Yeah. In the middle eight, you can hear a little bit of it during the solo. But why? Why was it taken out? I think they were looking. I don't know, really. I don't know. Because it, the piano part, if it was similar to what you hear in, in the demo, in the work version, it made it almost a little too, it came off as churchy, Maybe. almost, which it's enough that there's that sort of organ part in there that could have pulled it into like a yeah. gospel-y kind of vibe. But that piano, that dun, 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 and in the demo, that rolls into Remember. In, in the work version. Right, right, yeah. It, it rolls into the actual... Only, you know, a little slower uh, than on actually on Remember. But, yeah, that's interesting. That was John's lost yeah. piano part. Yeah. But anyway. Which he reclaimed for, for Remember. For Remember, yeah. Well, I just wanted to mention, I've always felt that it was a song that Paul McCartney probably wishes a lot of songs maybe he'd written, but so, as he was personally involved with this, that he had written something. That his harmonies are all over the place, which is I, I appreciate. His bass playing is 
out of this world. Well, George yeah. originally didn't like that bass playing because right. he thought he was taking over the track. And, and th- well, that's that's what I'm trying yeah. to say, that yeah. he's sort of taking over the track that this almost could have been a Harrison McCartney song because so much input that George But I mean, then again, so, so could have And I Love Her. That's true. We, we found out that... Later. Was, I was going to say, on. why did you suddenly become Alan Seuss? <laughs> <laughs> and I love her. So I could have been Charles Nelson Riley. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to mention sure. that about something. And... Especially, I was I saw the concert for George uh, yesterday. I was watching a little bit of it, oh. and it's a section you know where he does something. Yeah, you know, and you just see, see him singing the song, and it's just you know. I think he sings it with emotion with Clapton on that because two reasons. Obviously, it's an emotional time, but don't the, forget the Patty that, connection. <laughs> no, sir, I don't mean to no, be funny. No, no, There's I don't the mean Patty, the no. Patty Boyd connection. Yeah, well, I always on, thought that the Clapton, Clapton version. Yeah. But for but for Paul, the emotional. Bit on this in the concert for George. Yeah. Don't forget, this song had a special place for Paul, too, because he did do the melodic bass. Right. He was very involved in it on Abbey Road. So, you know, that might be, you know, why he's so emotional with this, because he did a lot of, you know, on I Need You and all he's there and playing and everything. But this one, Paul was very involved with. And I think the fact that maybe Paul wished he would have written this, yeah. you know, gave him that extra, you see the emotion. Yeah, there is a when lot you of hear it. I cry when you hear that. Yeah. And when you see Paul singing the, you know, the I don't know part, you know, right. I don't, you just want to like, whoa, whoa, it's a little weird. And I, not weird, but good. And also, we should mention that George had recorded the solo and then decided to go back and re-record it again. And this that is, was George. You know, this, that's a George thing. Right. And it, it, I never heard the original. You know, I'm sure it's floating around, but I've never heard it. So I just wanted listen, to Listen, whatever that. he don't put in me. there was, I, I wasn't. Beautiful. The next song is one we've talked about as... Um, the thing that John talked about a lot about, about Paul's writing was Maxwell's Silver Hammer. But if you think about it, John really wasn't there for the Beatles recording of it for this album. He was there for the Let It Be stuff, basically, but not for – he wasn't there, really. Well, no, he was asked to be on this, and he hated it after the car accident, and yeah. he hated it, so he said no. <laughs> but it still sounds like John's voice in the chorus, though. I think the that chorus sounds, is in there. That still sounds like but the, he didn't the play silver. On it. Yeah. It, it does sound that like still it. sounds like him in there. So. And it's probably the the weakest song in the album, at least to me. Even though the lyrics are very weird, S- sadistically yeah. freakazoid. You, I mean, well, that's what I always say know. about the song. You could say the melody is like that, da, 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 <laughs> but but it's also and he killed her and yeah. he killed them and we're gonna yeah. kill everybody. Yeah, now, I understand. So it's it's very odd that everybody thinks of this song as a little playful song. But go back little, and read the yeah. lyrics, and it's freaking Son of Sam stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it, you're like, oh, it's a cute little song. It's kind of like a partner with Octopus's Garden, but the octopus is not strangling the hell out of everybody. <laughs> right, I mean, exactly, hitting them the, over the head and it, crushing it, them. It reminds me of something that Ray Davies might have done. He wouldn't have had the yes. melody, right? But it's it has, right. I'm sure he would have. It would I'm have not, been a musical I'm, thing. I mean, it would have been more musical than this, yes. I think. Yes. Come bang, killing, well, silver, Come killing. No, but I mean, really, think about this. There, there was a stupid Phil Spector didn't produce this. Wow. Oh, like, oh. oh. He, I heard he it, gave it a shot. The, oh. No, oh. oh, no, but you know what? Imagine a video for this song. 
Come on, guys, let's film a video. <laughs> oh, and you know, can Mal Evans would be the one always dying, you know what I mean? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, guys, I really no, didn't I mean know. that as. I know, I, not, no, as, I know, I know. But, you know, like the White Cliffs of he Dover. Been, he would have been, been the prop guy. He would have been the red always, suit in, yes, the, in Star Trek, right? You. He would have been, exactly. The, the red, mean, shirt, red, I, red shirt. I really didn't mean that as a no, I know, death I thing. Course, but, but Mal Evans was always yeah. the fall guy and everything they did. White Cliffs of Dover. Right, and the anvil and this and. So I, I can imagine, and this song is so weird, and yeah. I would think that John would have loved this. Yeah. I think he just heard the granny music, as he put it, and Paul's well, granny music, and said, I'm not doing it. But It was musical. I mean, it was, It you was, know. But, it's, but the lyrics are not musical. You're not going to sing this in a musical. Everybody. You know, <laughs> Lawrence <laughs> Welk wasn't be, doing this. Bang, bang. Not to be funny, but in a way, you, you would. That was the whole idea. Of, it was actually very it's a weird, Gilbert and Sullivan. It's a weird sing-along. It's a weird sing-along, but it's actually, I mean, it all the Gilbert and Sullivan Sweeney tunes. Todd. Yes. Yes. But that's, yes. that's exactly what it is. That would be perfect for Yeah. That's, oh, I never thought of that. That would be perfect for Sweeney. Yeah, it's a Gilbert and Sullivan kind of, then everyone was hit by a bus and they all, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean. It, I mean, yeah. this wasn't Thor. This well, you know what it is? <laughs> you got to think about it. Maxwell Silverhammer was the crowning achievement in... Honey pie, when I'm 64, John just going, oh, Christ, enough oh, already. Obladi, oblada. Oh, but but Obladi, oh, oblada is not as fruity chords as no, but it, it, honey pie. Remember and, the, you know. the tension, you know, we've always heard about how yeah, they were the recording it, part one like part, that. and then John came in and banged the opening chords out, yeah. and Paul said, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. And, you know, then they totally redid the track. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, John might have just finally been like, "I don't even want to hear the damn lyrics. Just cut the crap with but, the you know." But doom, de, de, doom, de, de, doom. yeah, like, but oh, I God. really, I really think that if John would have read them, he would have been like, You're "This sick. is so perfect because we'll treat it as a kid's song." But <laughs> right. oh my, if people listen to it, you would think that would be right up John's alley. You think yeah. it would be like something out of one of his poems? Well, yeah, like one of John's poems from either right. one of those albums. Wow. Especially. You know. Well, maybe that's what jo- that Paul was cool. Been. Yeah, but I you know what? I never thought of that. But it's funny because Ringo was quoted as saying, "Yes, it was Granny music, but we needed stuff like that on our album so other people would listen to it." I mean, that's so <laughs> funny. Come on, think about it. We we I had to record that. crap so the grandparents, even though imagine the grandmas, they're all going bang bang, bang and then later on in life they're going. <laughs> Oh. What? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Jimmy, don't listen to that. I don't can't remember. Maxwell Silverhammer wasn't part of Blackbird singing, right? He wasn't part of that. That'd be a perfect song, you know, to write out as a poem. Well, he he took <laughs> other Beatles songs and and other stuff like that and turned it into poem. Yeah. So yeah. it wouldn't be uh, the first time he did that. Bang bang. Also, the Maxwell thing about Silver. you need Shatner doing it. Bang the bang bang. bang. <laughs> Maxwell Silverhammer came down upon her well, <laughs> all right, I'm leaving. You know, at least, Sorry, at least, I'll, at least he bed. went away from the microphone, as he said. Uh, I'm going to go away I, from the I, I appreciate that. I, I need a bed. Anyway. Also, one thing they did to that song, it, it actually had an open, and they cut it off. You know, That's it, right. It, it starts cold, but it actually had an open. I think it's actually better. I, don't, I think if the, the open actually sounds more musical when you yeah. listen to the opening. Very yeah. much. Uh, Which maybe uh, why they now, got rid of it. Yeah, but now when it comes in cold like that, you know, it, yeah. it's actually really good. Yeah, it is. Um, I like the song. I have no problem with Maxwell Silver. Okay. Especially uh, since it's sick lyrics. Uh, the fourth song of side one is Oh Darling, a song that <laughs> is very much old school 50s style with well, triple it's, arpeggios. And, yeah, it's, yeah. It, with triple notes, you know, 12-8 signature there. Yeah. 
But this song was, I mean, this song. Well, it has a doo-wop chord progression, feel. but it's not a doo-wop song. No, no there's style. no backing vocals yeah. at all, too. No. None there, at all. Which is weird for a, a Beatle album. And um, John had said, always felt that he should have done the song. Which I think is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I think it would have been good for him, but, you know, he had nothing to really, he didn't contribute I to think, the song. I think, honestly, I think John would have shredded it. I hate to say which, that. Which is what he wanted I to think, do. But it would have been Michael Bolton doing it. It would have been. Oh, the, not that. No, but the whole song would have been, there would have been no dynamics. Mm. I think John's whole delivery, because it's not like I want you where it has like a subdued part. And then you can let, let rip. Right. Oh, Darling has to come in. It has to be powerful. Uh, and and then was, it gets more powerful. That was Paul's forte. I mean. Paul's tour. I mean, and on this record, this is a tour de force for McCartney. Yeah. I mean, this this song, this is one of McCartney's. If you take the top McCartney vocals of all time. And he said he won the record like he had been singing it all week yeah. live. So, I mean, that it's a great, great song. Listen, the guitar work on this. Has he ever? I mean, he's pulled out Helter Skelter. He's never pulled this out, has he? I don't think he can. I'll tell you why. Helter Skelter starts off, when I get to the, right away, you're screaming. This one is more, you know, sounds yeah. softer and then goes but into, he can, I, get, I don't know if he could do it. I don't know, I guess. I, he I, I, could have a, a little while ago. I'm not sure if he can do it now. You know, his voice has changed a lot, but not, oh, not in 89, darling. but maybe in 93, could have that tour or, you know, the 2002 tour, maybe. Uh, maybe not now, but it would have lent itself a great deal to the live presentation. And his band, you know, his band could have easily. Oh no, his easily, band could, could do it. It's just that, yeah. uh, well, they did smoke it. <laughs> Very nice. Anyway, so great, um, great song. Oh, darling, fine, fine, fine song. A fine song. Uh, the next song is Ringo song. Ringo's second Yay. official song after "Don't Pass Me By." Well, Yay. what goes on to "Don't," and not including the. For shared writing credits. Oh, do- Octopus's Garden, I should say. Yeah. Octopus's yeah, Garden, yeah, yeah. which started track. out in the Let It Be album, which is a nice little section in the movie where they're sort of yeah. figuring it out right then and there. Yeah. Well, that's George and Ringo. Right. Yeah. Which, which is great. Which yeah. I thought was very cool. Yeah. And what does he do, George, when he leads over? He's like, oh, Octopus's Garden. Yeah, but George, it's oh. funny, though, when, when Ringo's doing his thing on the piano, and, uh, and eventually, in about 30 years, we'll see this when Let It Be gets released, you know, right <laughs> after the reissues from Paul the um, and the cartoons. But anyway, the, wow, all in one little sentence. Wow, Everything, beautiful. I just slammed everybody. No, but you see him, and he's doing it, and George is actually looking like, almost like embarrassed a little bit. He's helping his friend, and he's going through yeah. it, and he's doing well, and he's yeah. happy to do it. But he almost looks a little sheepish doing but it. But I almost think of it as kind of like a, Richie's writing his song here do I want to jump in on this and like is he gonna feel like I'm being because how would I feel if Paul you know Paul did but you know what this is I I almost think the opposite it's almost like he's got this look like this is just too much fun to not oh yeah no 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 not start that's one of the bright you know, spots of the movie. Yeah, it really is. And in the back of it his really head, is. he's thinking, you know, I've got a song called It Don't Come Easy for you. <laughs> 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 oh, little are you do you. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Ringo wasn't helped by George. No, not at all. No, little no. do these other crap heads know, Ringo, that I'm going to give you your first number one while these two are still <laughs> goofing around. I'll actually give you I'll the number one. You just have you. to put your vocal And on. I'll play if you want <laughs> me to play or I won't play at oh, all. No, on this one, he played everything, including Harry Krishna's. <laughs> Sorry, we, we digress. We do. Well, just a little yeah, bit. We, but we, we never do that. Right. No. Anyway. Never. Uh, but so it, it is a... Uh, it's you want to ride a bike? 
it's it's a fun song, and the kiddies uh, like it. And well, he goes turned it into a book, kitty book. But, but he, le- he he did get this song came out of adversity because this is when he left. Right. He left to go away from the Beatles when he, I thought it was you three and all that. And then he came back, he, he wrote this on the boat when he was in Sardinia yeah. with P- Peter Sellers' yacht. So, you know, something good came out of that whole period of the White Album. And it's a sweet little song, but it's also, I mean, not to read so much into it. It's a sweet little song, but it's, an, it's a song about escapism. Oh, yeah. it definitely is. Which is what I, it like, is. Well, if because you, he wanted to get out. He wanted to get out. And no one there to tell us what to do. Right. Wonder who that was a little subtle dig at. Well, and it's also you know, about the way the song started. The guy who was, uh, I guess, the captain uh, said that octopuses like to have yeah. set up a little garden, you know, their little yeah. personal thing. And yeah. Ringo is probably thinking whether it was the main part of the thought or the outside part of the thought. You know, I'm going to make my own little world. You know, right. I'd like to be under the sea with an octopus's garden. Yeah, but also yeah. don't forget, as yeah. a drummer, especially in the later years, I mean, in the beginning, they were all, you know, together in this right next. But as a drummer, mm-hmm. he then had the, you know, the baffling the, around him. Yes. And, yeah. you know, that could have also been in the back of his mind, too. Yeah. There's a whole lot to read into this. Yeah. We just don't know. But, but I mean, but it, but it, it, it adds sense. a little depth to the song. Oh, and it's But it, it it's such a sweet piece of music, and George is playing. You yep. can't ignore George's playing on this. It's, it's, um, it's a different type of guitar solo for George yep. Harrison. Very much. And also that whole part where the solo's playing and they're going, the background vocals and they're blowing bubbles. Yeah. The song spreads out there where it's like this whole band vibe is coming through now. Yes. About just that whole section. How much the, is John yeah. on this song, though? He sounds. I thought he, he sounds the, like he's, well, on, it sounds he's like, on the backing yeah, vocal. It yeah. sounds like Paul and George really? Might at, be. doing the you know harmonies. Speaking of like band vibes, think about where they were all going musically. And if you take away all the special effects, all the special effects in the musical break of of Octopus's Garden, and you just listen to it as an instrumental piece in there, it sounds like a like a band, like the band almost. Like it, it's right. a, it's a honky tonky little break in there. But anyway, yeah. Also, when you like listen to it on Anthology Three, it doesn't have that fun feel, fun and safe feel right. that you right. get from listening right. to that. Yeah, it's it's a very cuddly little song. And uh, the last track of Side One, and by the way, Side One was almost Side Two, and Side Two was almost Side One at one point. There was. Some, Right. Process of putting the album together. And I am here. Do you, you agree? And we are all together in the yellow submarine. Do you agree with the idea? And I, I don't know how I feel, but people have said that there's this conscious thought that that the album is continuous. On that, a CD that you, it is. No, but where <laughs> I'm going is that if you take the closing note of Her Majesty ends with dum. And there's an opening, and you flip it, and it goes, and then you get to the last note of I want you should get, and you get, like the album has well, no. Well, Her Majesty's. It, is, nothing fades. Neither side fades. Both sides open with, you know, the cold note. It, it's kind of like, I've heard that. Not that the Beatles did it intentionally, but do you get that vibe from the record that it just, no. it just doesn't. And it's a continuous. I never thought loop. about it in that way. To be okay. honest, I mean, we, we are like I said, we that's our job. Well, Her, Her Majesty's, I think, in the in D, it ends with a D chord. I yeah. know that, and 
come together is a do, 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 do. I think that's a, a D. Right. So it could be. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's just yeah. kind of an odd. It's no, a, I've never. Coincidence. Coincidence. But but yeah. again, over the years of reading references made to this record, one of the things that's come up is the continuity factor of the, you flip it over and over and it's, you know, how do you keep a Beatle fan busy for hours? Over. To, how do you keep it busy? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> what? I don't know. Maybe. I'm um, taking all in, my friend. Side one ends <laughs> I quit. with uh, the first song really recorded in the thin line that is between Get Back and Abbey Road. I Want You, She's So Heavy. Uh, um, a tribute to Weight Watchers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> one of the most basic songs ever of John Lennon, but at the same time. Totally uh, blues, man. It's a blues feel, and, oh, and yeah. the blues feel was. Uh, blues structure, actually. Uh, was very much in vogue at the time. Uh, the Beals were not a blues band, per se. No. So it, it has more of a rock feel than a blues feel. It's not the Stones doing the blues. It's, no, and truthfully, yeah. other than uh, whatever that song was I made reference to, Castle of the Birds or whatever it is that they did during the Let It Be sessions, this is like one of the few times of the Beatles, actually. And as you said, you're right. It's not a jam song. No. But this is the few times they ever really get their crap together for like seven and a half minutes. Yeah, they, they, and, and yeah. There's, there's that white noise synthesizer going through. The, well, the, they yeah, use the Moog a lot. The Moog. Is, yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah. all over this record. Yeah. yeah. The white know, noise, which toy. created that. But that white wind noise, sound. Is, that's that thing is nasty, man. And that's yeah. that, that. Well, this well, this also wow. you know, it, this song uh, is kind of it's kind of a spooky little number if you think oh, about God, it. Oh God, yeah, it is. It yeah. gets a little spooky at the end. I couldn't listen to this when I was a little kid. This was one of those tracks that I just kind of like went. Yeah, I didn't appreciate it really. when I was a kid. Yeah, I was like, I'm not really. really I wanted, you again. know, she loves you, and I got, you know, I wasn't into it. It very Santana. Which I when I was little I loved, but the ending freaked me. Well, the ending. I, I loved oddly the, enough, Jeff Emmerich said that John told him cut it right there. It was over eight minutes. He said cut it right there, and yeah. it was very jarring. And and you know what? I think it works well because it's now amazing. when it when it cuts quick, you can never figure when it's going to end. By the way, no. Even if you know, no, even if you know the song, no. no. It's not like no. all right after that bar because it's all the same. Yep. But so it does end. Even to this day, it's jarring at the end. Well, but you go you go off the cliff. You go off you're the cliff right, with them. You're right there, and you. And but that's then, it. You, but then you know what? As you said, though, and we'll get into side two. But it's funny. You go off the cliff, but yeah, here comes the sun. Well, you're right. Exactly. But also, but it's it, that joke of it's not not to be funny. It's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop. And well, that's exactly it. You're you're with them that whole thing, and then bang, you get you just into a yeah. wall. Yeah. Also on the LP, because we'll talk about the A track later. This ended side one, so you don't see right. where the needle is. Uh, on a CD, you do see a countdown if you want. True. So right. on an LP, hearing this the first couple of times, and still, it, it's a very jarring because it just ends. And if you didn't have a um, an automatic uh, needle, it just goes shh, yep. shh. And it's... Which is creepy unto it, itself, yeah. really. And, and one of the things I do like about this song this, this all the way. is... <laughs> 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 wow. Okay, you you're that. a geek. Imagine you had that. They decided to put something on that. Put an inner groove after that. I wow. never listened to it again. <laughs> um, but Paul's bass line is incredible on this. He's playing stuff that high on the, the frets. He's playing it differently, too. He seems to be, this is a much heavier song, like I said, and it seems like they were trying to be more... Like The Who a little bit, I think, a little bit. And, and just in certain styles of... It's cool that you're saying that because it's the, the one overarching thing that you don't really always stop to observe with Abbey Road. From purely a musical standpoint, 
I think George and Paul are experimenting way beyond mm. where they had gone before, just in terms of varying their approach to the, the instruments that they both, you know. George had now become a masterful guitar player. Finally. And finally. I don't say that in a no. bad way. Yeah, but he had really finally become a master guitarist. Right. And I maybe in a way that... Maybe Paul was also getting off on that because the guy who was now most present in the studio doing the stuff was not really a fellow. You know, he kind of lost John. A little you know, bit, yeah. Sadly, yeah. he, he kind of lost John. He and George had had that fallout during Let It Be. So maybe there was this kind of like Paul sitting there going, hell, does this SOB's really become like a... A tremendous, tremendous player. But, and but also, the, you know, Paul's trying to keep the band together in a certain way. Oh, ways. yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's, he's letting George do a little more. But if you think about it, I don't know if Paul ever really got this feeling that George Harrison pushed him. You know what I mean? Like as a musician. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, George starts to raise the bar. Well, now Paul's got to even more go, oh, really? That's where we're going, huh? Mm. So now Paul's ripping these bass parts on this album that were like, wow. One thing about this uh, song also is each verse that John sings, he sings it differently. He adds yeah. little things to the the melody. The last verse sounds almost desperate. Like, if he doesn't sing this last verse to let whoever he's singing about, we'll assume it's Yoko, yeah. um, that, you know, something's going to happen to him. Yeah. And you listen to his vocal on, it's just really moving almost. And then Ringo's coming in with the drums and that hypnotic 12-8, I believe it's 12-8, um, riff, which it's just one of these songs. It's just, you don't want to say it's hard to believe it's the Beatles, but you thank God it's the Beatles. Yeah. Well, yes, but you know yeah. what? It's not a typical Beatles song no. in that there's no backing tracks at all, meaning uh, no harmonies or anything on it. No, It's weird. No other Beatles are on it vocally. There's, there's no hook. No, no hook at all. I always considered the song the more serious brother to You Know My Name. I can see that, but I was going to say more to... Why don't we do it in the road? Mm. If that was done as a band, no, I just mean wow. I, I just think mean about it. if that was done as a band song instead of Paul just going in and doing it as a you know very short song. Think about it. it's the same type of thing. Paul does the third verse really emotional, and why don't we do it in the road? And it's the same thing. There's no really lyrics except why don't we do it in the road? No yeah, one will watch us. I was just, I'm sorry. I was just thinking though, in terms of you know my name, the way each verse is done differently. Yes. Yeah. Also, right. different style. That's all I was thinking about with this. So it's that type of song. You know, my name. We know it's been edited a lot, but it was also a little longer. Right. Uh, and but this the, one, and the same thing. Yeah, you're right. A, a very simple phrase. Correct. Because it's the same as I, I want you. She's so, so heavy. heavy you know, my name. Lines. Look right. up the number. Yeah. Yeah. So in in terms of that, you know, my name is a little more silly. Silly. But this one, but there's a lot of angst to it, and it's. Totally not the Beatles. I, if John Lennon would have put this on Plastic Ono Band, it wouldn't have been as polished, I don't think. No. But but I think it would have fit. And, and we should say it's two different recordings. And with Billy Preston. Billy with Preston. Billy, Billy Preston's yeah. on it, and they do an edit, I think it's around four minutes or so, where they take the two different versions, like Strawberry Fields Forever, except it's, it's in the same key. Yeah, you can't tell on this. It's song. a great edit. You can't can? hear it. You, you yes, but not, bit, like, but not, not like, like Strawberry, Strawberry Fields. No, not like Strawberry Fields, yeah. but, when, but it's hard because, and I just urge listeners, don't try to hear it. No, don't, because then you'll always you'll hear always it. You'll always hear it. I urge you don't. <laughs> well, now you, now, now everybody's going to go. go do it. No, but you, you really, you don't want to hear edits in released material. 
We should say that the edit point is around 436. Um, but you just told everybody not to. Oh, we did. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Don't don't listen. Rewind and skip over. And actually, and don't don't send a lot of money to Fab Four Free For All. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Do don't. not do that. Do not do that. Don't go to your mother's pocketbooks and take out those green pieces of paper with the presidents on them and mail them. Time out. To- now, they, now we're going to get Monopoly money. Because now no. people have like green pieces of paper. <laughs> don't take out the debit card. Don't take out the debit card and mail it to. The right. green debit with card. With your PIN number. Yeah, 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 please don't. Don't do that. 436. Anyway. <laughs> people are going to be going, 430, oh my, I hate you all. We should just start a website called 436.com. Just have it be oh. another. Anyway. Oh my so, Lord. So that's where the edit is, unless you skipped over it. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Triguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. Oh, let me get levels, guys. Give me some levels. We got levels. We got levels. Hi. We represent the Lollipop Guild. The Lollipop Guild. The Lollipop Guild. And in the name of the Lollipop Guild, we wish to welcome you to Munchkin Land. Yay. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> and there was a tag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> What was that? That's him. See, George says they recorded the whole medley in one take, and then they, you know. Okay. Doesn't know whether Revolver is Rubber Soul. Yeah, I can't remember what album I recorded in 1966, but I'll tell you that the... uh, We did the whole melody. Yeah, we did the whole melody. (laughs) Wasn't that Lazy Dynamite? No, George. uh, That was was a little later. It was Red Rose Speedway. Oh, crap. I knew I hated that album. You recorded all of Live and Let Die in one sitting, you know. See, I would have loved if he would have said that as an outtake, you know. Yeah, you know, we we did a lot of work on, you know, Junior's Farm and what... Oh, wait, no. I'm not on Oh, crap, I am on it. I wasn't supposed Uh, to say. We have a non-disclosure. I play organ on it. (laughs) Oh, organ. (laughs) I'm just trying to remember where... What? Let's see. Uh, So Her Majesty comes between... (laughs) <laughs> the king and the queen. Nice. Uh, no, wait. Uh, the end note of Her Majesty is, is the opening note of, of yeah. No, it's the last note. It's the last note of Mean Mr. Mustard. Right, is, right. But but the but the missing note of Her Majesty is the opening note of Polythene Pam. You imagine if Cold Turkey was on this album? You know yeah. what? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the name going to make a mine. Boom, down, 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 down. Yeah, that's that's it. Okay. Groovy. Groovy. Okay. Come together. The long one, huge medley. Melody. Huge melody. That's the whole joke. Melody. Always, always ask that. And you know what? I can blame it to. I could blame it to, or I can assign blame the blame of that yeah, to. Yeah, I was about to say, that was a horrible English. I could I mean, I blame, blame it, it to. <laughs> I'm an English major. Here's where I can assign the blame on that. 
Yeah, the, the only thing it makes me think of is that little passage in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where they keep making reference to Paul McCartney, and they keep doing the whole a lovely lilting melody that that had Paul McCartney written it, he would have been able to buy parts of Hampshire and most of you know like there's this whole running joke that every time Paul McCartney like gets a hit song, he buys another large part yeah. of the UK, which is the anyway. But anyhow, so he hasn't bought anything in a while. No, he hasn't bought anything in a while. Oh, oh, he doesn't have to anymore. He doesn't have to. He owns it all then. Yeah. So, so I, I bought it from myself. It's actually, like a do you know thing. that he's going to hear this comment? On our show, and, and he's going to buy your family. And that's it. You're <laughs> Good. Well, you know, it's one thing Paul is, is always done. You know, he's always bought homes. Buck 50. Yeah. So he, instead of staying in hotels, he has houses yeah, all over. Well, he has Arizona, California, Amagansett, New Amagansett, York City. Long Island. You just told people. Near where, where we are, Paul. Yeah. Stop right by. where we are. Stop, Stop by. Right yeah. in the studio. Oh, guys, car, car pulling up. Oh. Hit him. <laughs> and, and he's driving himself, which is cool. Himself. Is it raining? <laughs> oh, anyway. Ooh, I just, driving I just rain. That one. Oh, Thank sure. you very much. Okay, oh. well, that's a tag. Anyway, well, let's edit that out. <laughs> oh, come on. Why do we have to edit that out? Oh, I don't know. I My God. I, I expect better jokes from you. <laughs> they don't get any better than this, people. <laughs> Yeah, just ask our listeners. This must be the between side break. Okay, everyone, yes. we'll wait while you go flip, flip the record over. This is, this is like Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever. And yep. this is the moment of the record where... We've flip. you flip the podcast <laughs> over. And, and Del Shannon's making weird noises. Yeah, right, exactly. Wait, 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 wait. Well. We flip the podcast <laughs> over. Huh? Right now, some geek is taking a computer and going... <laughs> Or their phone and going, so we're I don't get it. A laptop lawsuits. No, no they're, what they're doing is they're taking a baseball bat to the, to the computer. And I'll turn you over. Bam, bam, bam. Nice. Well, then that would be their loss. They don't get to hear the rest of this fine episode. That's right. Yeah, that, would, that would be their gain.